Episode 28, Silly Goose Gang Podcast, and unbelievably, incredibly, joining us this evening, Kelly Pavlik, former WBC, WBO, Ring Magazine, and lineal middleweight champion of the world. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. It's so a um, list yeah. of uh, titles I got there, huh? It's not, probably the not coolest bad, list not, I've had. <laughs> Not a bad, uh, not a bad career, Kelly. Yeah. Not a bad career. Um, I have to, you know, right from the right from the the set and the get go, Kelly. I have to ask you. It's one of the things that I always wanted to ask you if I ever got a chance to meet you. Was how the hell did you get through the second round against uh, Jermaine Taylor? <laughs> uh, you know, a lot, a lot of hard work, man. Um, it was. Uh, you know, there was, there was actually a lot that went into that. You know, um, Smoger, the referee, uh, talking with him, mm. and he made it clear uh, what you need to do. You know, I hear a lot of people say, like, if that was any other referee, they would have stopped the fight. But in all reality, I was grabbing, holding on, and, yeah, yeah. you know, punching to the body back. Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> how I survived was it took me seven years to get that shot, you know, to get that title shot. And, um, I wasn't going to let it go by that easy. Um, and mm. especially I knew I could win that fight. The first round, you know, I won. I was winning that second round up yeah. to the point of getting uh, caught in the back of the, the air. And um, so it was just the determination, you know, just all the years of hard work and, and everything else. So. Yeah, it was, um, you've seen, I, I, it's, you know, I don't know if people haven't watched that fight. That's one of the, the great middleweight fights. Um you know, I watched it this morning again just to remind myself. Uh, you know, you see, you 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 sort of dropped your hands a little bit and you got caught, but you you seen you clamping, you clamped on, you seen yeah, you were still, absolutely. you know, you you were all there. Um, and even so, time when I I fell off balance and I was kind of running across the ring, yeah. You watch, I mean, he really didn't land no shot. I turned right back around. Yeah. I kind of hooked him under the arm and pulled him in. So as Smoker said, as long as you show me that you're you know what's going on that you're reactive uh, by grabbing or anything like that. He goes, I won't stop the fight. And that's with any referee. Um, and when I, when I grabbed him and hooked him up like that, to be able to do that, you had to have your whereabouts, yeah. you know, you had, you had yeah. to be there, you know, somewhat mentally. Um, it was definitely an equilibrium shot. So with that being said, I knew everything that was going on. It just takes the legs out from you. And, um, you know, that, that was the big part of that, that round. Yeah, I was be. I suppose. Uh, well, you know, you know, from from um, from from what I could see, that was obviously um, you know outstanding conditioning. You, you obviously you were obviously in outrageous shape to come back. You know, because you came back by the end of the round, you were throwing shots again and and um, and and coming along nicely again. So I'm assuming um, because you're such a well, you're you're a, you're, you're enormous at um, 160 pounds. I would have you know you would have must have been in shape pretty much 12, 12 months of the year just to keep yourself um, down? Yeah, we did. Um, I trained really hard during my camps. I had two-month training camps. Um, I trained six, seven hours a day, you know, um, so I mean, it was hardcore. Um, in between fights, I took about two weeks off, you know, two and a half weeks, depending on when the next fight was scheduled. 
because you had to give the body a break too, uh, especially. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm not I'm not one of them guys that are trying to pat myself on the back, but I don't think there was many out there that trained like I did. Like I said, six mm-hmm. seven hours a day. That's a long day, and it was hard hard training. Um, you know that fight to show to be able to show that I could do that in the second round, and then be able to come. Oh. oh. I've just lost Kelly. We'll keep recording, guys, just while we try and add Kelly back in there. Um, just one of those things, unfortunately, when you're recording live, that people it's sometimes... It's happened don't... before. Uh, are we there? <laughs> right. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I end up, yeah. I end up getting a beep. That's okay. <laughs> All right, we're back. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, so, as I was saying, that second round, um, you know, you... I came back and I showed what type of condition I was in. Um, that yeah. was huge. Don't get me wrong. But I think the biggest key part of that uh, of that fight, too, where it really sucked the soul and energy out of uh, Jermaine was that third round. I came back yeah. in the very next round and I threw 99 punches. Um, yeah. You know, so my punch rate uh, in all my fights were pretty big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was always, I averaged, they say like high 80s, but. I think it was like mid nineties, you know, punches per round. That's pretty yeah. high for middleweight in all time history of champs. But um, yeah, so that that was the big part. I always went into fights. I knew I had power. My boxing, I believe, was underrated, but that's for yeah. another time. Um, but my conditioning was a big factor too. I mean, I threw a lot of punches. So going into a fight, I knew I was in shape. You know. Yeah. One thing that I would say, um, you know, just from go back and, you know, I watched a few fights um, today again. Um, and like you were saying, your, your boxing, um, you know, the skill set was, was way better even than I remembered. Because I remembered, um, so I, I, I got into amateur boxing late, around about 2007, when you were, you know, on your tear through the middleweight division. So I was one of the first people I was introduced to when I started boxing was Kelly Pavlik. So I watched, you know... Uh, you know, was it uh, Buddy Buddy McCart, um, those guys, and you know uh, Edison Miranda, these guys. So I yeah. watched you coming through. So I was, you know, I remembered you even now as being a massive puncher. But watching just Demain Taylor, um, you know, you were you were coming down with the right hand a lot, and then coming up with the left hook, either body or head. So just yeah. I I was reminded, you know, you know, you you had way better ability than what I remembered. Yeah, you know, it's funny people. I think a lot of I don't want I hate using the term casual, but yeah, a lot of people that don't really know too much of boxing, they they say you know oh he was slow or this he wasn't a good boxer, but you know to be able to knock out elite guys at the top like mm-hmm. Miranda's and Jermaine Taylor's and stop veterans like Bronco McCart, you have to be fast enough to hit them. You have to be smart enough and technical yeah. enough hit them right especially with a clean shot to knock them out or stop them. Yeah. so that just goes to show you know sometimes when people say things it's um, a little little crazy yeah it's um i think people you know looking back now maybe forget you know how good edison miranda you know yeah. was at the time edison miranda was a a scary man at the time when you boxed him um a real scary guy yeah um, he was the uh, monster of the division at the time I think uh, one thing that's, uh, you know, you know, when after you beat, you know, Edison and then you beat Jermaine the first time, it was like, um, 
you perhaps took quite a bit out of them because after that their careers went off like that you know quite a lot of punishment to those guys um and you know Jermaine Jermaine you know lost the uh, uh, Abram again after that and then Carol Froch and he got knocked out quite badly a few times but it was like you know the first fight with you really you know the, took a lot out of him he was taking yeah. a lot of right hands it did and you know sometimes when you take um, a beating like that it could you know but the only thing uh, I give Jermaine credit and this is why and um it's not because I beat him. You know, I'm sure a lot of people would think, like, I'm very realistic, first of all. So, yeah. on a lot of things that, you know, there's been a lot of topics on my podcast fight page on Facebook about just in general, your all-time greats and, and compared to today's fighters. And, unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to understand about reality is reality. But even going into about Jermaine, I'm not saying this to pad me up, but Jermaine got, took a lot of shit for the guys that he fought before me and how he looked. And people mm. tend to forget, you know, that, yeah, they were a little smaller. They were weight class lower. But Winky Wright, an all-time uh, great. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, Winky Wright could be 75 years old and he's going to make you look bad with his style. Kasim Uma, uh, an awkward, all over the place, who throws 90 punches around. Awkward fighter, you know, and uh, Jermaine beat them. And then after that, yeah, he got knocked out by Frosch, but he was whooping Frosch's ass in that fight. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. In my opinion, he could have took another knee in that last round, and yeah. he would have survived, and I still had him far enough up on points that yeah. he would have won. He was yeah. beating the shit out of Arthur Abraham. It wasn't even a fight until he got caught in the last round. Um, so with those, I mean, he, and he, he still beat Jeff Lacey. I think he won. Yeah. Jermaine won another world title as super middleweight, or maybe yeah. Sam Solomon. Sam um, Solomon, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, but was he the same fighter after me? No, um, I, I don't think he was. I think that not so much. It may not have been from the damage. It just may have been, you know, in the heart. Yeah. Some guys, you know, they're not in it for the the long term, and and they just kind of get over the sport. Um, it is, you know, but I thought Jermaine was a fantastic fighter. It's also um, also worth saying that all those all those fights that you just mentioned, Kelly, were all at one sixty eight as well. You know, he moved he moved up a weight as well. So you know, he was was a great fighter. Um, and you know, you know, at, at that time, you know, he was the man who had beaten the man, and uh, you knocked him out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you know, if you 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 look at some of the guys, you know, you boxed. I mean, how many guys would you say that you you boxed, Kelly, that were great? Because I would say, you know, Martinez, Hopkins, and and Jimmy Taylor would three. I mean, really, all time all time great middleweights. Yeah, but, um, Miranda could have possibly could have been. I mean, Miranda beat some guys. Well, first of all, I thought Miranda beat Abraham broke his jaw in three different places. Mm-hmm. Um, if that fight's not where it was at, Aver- or Edison Miranda now beat Abraham and Alan Green. Alan yeah. Green was a good fighter when but good fight Miranda beat yeah. him. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it was great. You know, I thought people soon forget. Um, when you have a name, it seems like it, if that name's trendy at the time, everything's cool, right? Yeah. So I'll break down another little one. Um, again, this ain't, this is being realistic. This ain't trying to pad me up, but Lemieux, 
what David was what's his first name? Uh David Lemieux. David Lemieux. Yeah. He he thought um Triple Rubio. G. Oh sorry, well, I thought you were going to say Rubio. Rubio. Too, but yeah, this is yeah, where yeah. I'm going. If he goes in to fight Triple G because Triple G was is like the Miranda of 2007. Mm. And Triple G is the monster and all of a sudden Lemieux is still like he's relevant, you know, he's good mm. and he's uh he's a test and when Abraham beats him Oh my God! Look how good Abraham is, you know. And Abraham is good, but people soon to forget that the guy that I demolished, you know, um, in Rubio, I think it was what three or four years after the fact, or maybe five yeah. years after I fought Rubio, goes yeah. in and knocks him out when he's twenty-five and zero with twenty-five knockouts, yeah. you know. And then yeah. nothing said at that point about it. Um, yeah. And Rubio got, went on to win the world titles, which marks another world champion that I fought and beat. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. And, and uh, I'm just sometimes I sit back and just it is what it is, you know. Uh, so what, um, you know, what 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 I was what I meant, Kelly, was um, and what you were saying about all time greats. You know, I would say that you fought three all time great heavy uh, middleweights. Sorry, um, you know, if you. Just in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, if, if somebody, you know, if somebody wants that, because you know, 160 pound is one of the classic divisions, and those are three guys. If you are talking about all-time greats, you would say that, that, huh? if you're talking about recognized, absolutely, yeah. those there was yeah. three, and, and it was you know Martinez, Hopkins, and Jermaine Taylor. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, the. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, what, you know, I, I, you know, what what would you you know who would if you had in terms of fantasy fights because everybody you know all boxing fans like to say these fantasy fights uh, even though they're not realistic who who would be your your picks for middleweight? Man, no, a, I fight, think... a fight with Hopkins at middleweight would have been one. Yeah, um, you know, I, there has been names. Like Gerald McKellen and and guys like that, and I'm like, man, what do you guys try to do? Get me killed? You know, they have me get <laughs> punched, big fire punchers. Um, but I, I think I, I, you know, I would say a guy like the Abrahams because I really wanted to unify the division. Um, mm-hmm. You know, here, here's another one I'll bring up to you guys, and maybe one time on your show, you could have this as a topic. Um, I wanted to be undisputed middleweight champion. And in politics, though, in boxing, a lot of times why it's rare to see an undisputed middleweight champion is because, let's be honest, sanction fees and, yeah, and all yeah. that on paying on those belts. But um, my understanding with the undisputed middleweight champion is this, though. Uh, I always thought that in order to not be undisputed middleweight champion is that you had to lose, like lose the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Jermaine, he never lost his titles to due to a fight he lost yeah. them due to being stripped or vacated of and he was the undisputed middleweight champion um who beat the man so but even if they vacated he didn't lose that um name that tag he didn't lose that due to losing a fight and then mm-hmm. the only fight he lost was to me yeah so by i mean if somebody out there that really knows the breakdown of it i feel like you know maybe I could have been undisputed middleweight champion because, again, mm. I thought that you had to lose that name by losing the fight in a, in a title fight. Um, again, I don't know all the truth behind that or how that works, 
But you know, that's just another interesting uh, topic for another day, though. So yeah. I suppose that's part of the problem, isn't it? When you've got so many different sanctioning bodies, so many people with their fingers in the pie wanting their cut of the the purse, it's sometimes difficult to get them all to agree and get everyone in the ring at one. You know, oh, it's tight for everybody. Mm. Yeah, the politics of it, four belts. I mean, well, four belts. You know that that was the argument. People think that they should go back to like one or two belts. No, and that's impossible because you really have people bitching. Yeah. Um, think about it. You got. We see now in these weight classes, just say like lightweight, you got Haney, Lomachenko, Tiafimo, um my God, come on, there's a, a bunch more. Um, oh, there's a, like yeah. Six Ryan guys. Garcia, Ryan, Ryan Garcia, yeah. Luke Campbell, yeah, yeah, a lot of really good guys. S- yeah, six guys that's right in that mix right now that's like phenomenal fighters. Mm-hmm. You only have one belt. How you you know you're not going to be able to see them guys and nobody's going to get that fight within the prime either. Yeah. If you have only two belts. Nobody's going to be able to see that matchup within this prime. With the four, it's almost like how they changed the college football, which I like. You know, now you got the four weight thing, so now you're getting the best of the best, best versus the best, best versus the best, and then you push for the the top yeah. two to fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the way it should be, but. You know, there's politics, and there's always been politics in boxing, but I still think to this day that you're still getting some of the best guys, you know, that yeah. are fighting I've always, um, I've always thought that as well, Kelly. You know, if you if you go back to, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, when there was the world champion, it, there were so many really good guys that never got a shot at a no. title, and it, it was it was really, really um, unfortunate for those guys. But does it, is it... A, is it frustrating for you? For you, you know, you, like you know, if the cards had fell a different way, you could have been undisputed middleweight champion. To see other guys, I'm just thinking like a like an an Adrian Broner who just moved up and down weights and got world titles, you know, really quite easily. Is that is that frustrating? No, um, you know, I give them guys credit. Listen, uh, we got to be honest. Uh, when you're able to move to a different weight class. And win a world title, that's tough because moving up in weight, you know, it's it's a different ball game, especially yeah. at, at an elite level. Um, you're now you're talking about fighting guys that are lighter, and now you're moving up to guys. Okay, so you fight at 147, or just say 130, 140, junior welterweight, or yeah, junior welterweight, super lightweight, whichever organization. Now you're fighting a guy who's coming down from 150, 153. And you guys are both on the same playing field, night of weigh-in. You go fight him, but you're used to that weight class. Now, next fight, you move up to go fight an elite guy at that weight class who's coming down from 163, you know, 164, yeah. who's a yeah. naturally bigger guy. So, you know, um, I, I tip my hat. I mean, I wish behind me that I would have moved up to 68 earlier instead mm-hmm. of, like, towards the end of my career because um, there was a lot of big fights, you know, even that Super 6 tournament. Um yeah. You know, that would have been cool. Um, but, no, I, I don't knock them guys for that. I think that when you're able to go in there, take, for instance, like a Mikey Garcia, a Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, what them guys were able to do, and, yeah. and those, all the three to four different weight classes, that, that says a lot. I mean, that, that's an elite yeah. fighter. It is. Yeah. Just um, because, because you, you, know, you were talking about weight there, Kelly, when you thought, um, Bernard was was that 170 pounds? I thought it was. I think if I recall right, it was a couple pounds under a light heavyweight. Right. Like okay. 72. Catch what I want to say. 172. 
Might have been 170. Uh, was that, um, did that, you know, did that weight, you know, did, did the extra 10 pounds or anything, did that have an effect on you in that fight or? No. no. Um, I, I don't hop on it much because we know when you, when you throw shit out there, you get slammed for it. You know what I mean? And uh, especially all these years later now, I mean, I've been retired eight years. Um, yeah. That fight was what, uh, 12 years ago. Yeah, you know, it was not me that night, and it is documented, you know, as far as you know, even the commission has all this stuff. Um, you know, it was just not me that night. We had uh, this situation, and and Bernard Hopkins, my god, I mean, mm. you're, you're talking about bad luck. I mean, you're fighting a guy, one of the greatest of all time, yeah. um, you know, just it was an off night, and you know, people say that it ruined my career again. I came back and then dominated a very a good fighter in, in Rubio, but uh, you know, so it was hard to take away from that fight because I knew it wasn't me that night, you know. Um, mm. And let's say, and I know styles make fights. Here's another good one too on that. Just just to go to show the case, styles make fights. I absolutely agree with that. Okay, mm. but not the way that how I took care of Jermaine Taylor and how the Hopkins fight turned out. It's not yeah. that big of a difference, though. You get what I mean? Styles yeah. make fights does not play that big of a role in, in that situation. So that goes to show that, you know, something, you know, was not me that night. Um, yeah. Yes, could Bernard have beaten me? Yeah, absolutely. But it wouldn't it, it would have been a landslide like it was. I mean, you know, he whooped my ass in that fight. So yeah. I think, um, as a, you know, as a measure of, you know, that fight, uh, and if memory serves me right, Bernard fought Joe Calzaghe after that, I believe. Um, Bernard fought Joe after that, I think, uh, December 2008, I think would have been about the time for that. I think that's right. Um, but, you know, people over here in the UK were saying, well, you know, if, if Joe Calzaghe had beaten you, you know, Joe Calzaghe probably could have said that he was pound for pound number one at the time. So, yeah. you know, you know, although you're saying, you know, you lost, uh, you know, a, 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 you know a, a landslide decision. But you know, that was the level that it was at. You know, it was that was at the, the you know the very top level of the sport. And if you know people here said, yeah. you know, if Joe had done that, Joe would have been you know probably pound for pound number one. So, um, and Bernard went on after that to you know you know beat you know he beat Baby Shumanoff when he was like forty eight years old yeah. <laughs> to the IBA and WBM. You go, Jesus, how does that? You know, the guy's incredible. Yeah. Um, so. so. You know, it's one of those defeats that, as it goes on, looks better. Um, uh, and you know, even you know, was it was there any problem losing the weight again, Kelly, to come back to you know to come down? No, surprisingly, you know, it was weird. It's weird with weight. Um, I mean, when I fought Bronco McCart, was a struggle, you know. Mm. Um, but we made it, and then the next fight, it wasn't. So when you're talking six two, and as you're getting older, you're mid twenties and, and later twenties. Um, it fluctuates and, and some are harder than other. And actually, Rubio wasn't that bad to come back down. Um, mm. You know, and obviously, and I know that it sounds so uh, making. I'm making so many excuses, but the the real bad time was Sergio Martinez. I mean, it was mm. horrific. And again, with that fight, you had HBO, so documented. And I say so that is documented. You know, HBO they talked about it in the, during the fight. Um, you know how hard it was. They mentioned about the treadmill and stationary bike in my hotel room and yeah. uh, all that. So, you know, th and that was it with that fight. 
Um, Martinez, though, another another fantastic fighter, yeah. another Hall of Famer. Um, you know, and going there, and that was a great fight. You know, the early rounds I gave him a couple of the early rounds as the middle of the fight wore on. You know, I, I was really controlling it. I mean, I, I had that the middle rounds mine, and then I got to ten eight and. Going into that round, the ninth round, when I got cut, um, which yeah. had nothing to do with the fight, you know, I was up on the scorecards. So that, I mean, that's only three or four rounds before the uh, end of the fight, and I just hit the wall in that ninth round. You know, it wasn't yeah. I wasn't tired cardio, like my wind was good. It was more just the uh, um, depleted, you know, from from everything, and then that was what was tough about it. And you know, I was surprised I did as well as I did in the middle rounds, but. Again, taking nothing away from Sergio Martinez. Sergio Martinez was an amazing fighter. Uh, just yeah, he's, he's got such a such a a, a strange style, you know, because obviously he's, he's South Boy's hands are always down, and he, he just the way yeah. he's, he's, he's he almost looks square when he throws shots. It's bizarre, you know. He, yeah, he just pops shots out you know, from all different really... angles. But what's yeah, even yeah. worse about that is they're all from different angles. But they're so fast too. You yeah. know what I mean? So like yeah. you gotta try to be as quick or, or uh be a part of it. And I thought that we cut that down very nice in the middle round. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was actually I thought a, a fantastic job of, of uh stopping that. But again, you know, there was only so much I could do at that point. How yeah. just when we're just just while we're talking weights here, uh, Kelly, how how kind of an, an average camp, how much would you be cutting during your camp to get down to, to fighting weight? Really, again, I kept myself right around the low 70s, you know, like 173. But let's be honest, um, 173, that's 13 pounds. Uh, 173 for a six foot two, 27 year old, 28 year old. um, Most people see that they, if you didn't know he was a pro boxer, you think he has an eating disorder. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So, you know, that's very thin. That's uh, no, I mean, just. To put that in perspective, I'm six two and about ninety five, so I totally appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. No, but one ninety five that's hey, one ninety that's that's twenty two pounds heavier than what I was. I mean, that's yeah. still a that's a good actually six two, one ninety on chart is healthy. You know, that's what you're supposed mm. to be for, you know, that height. Um yeah, and, and for me to, to get down to one sixty, so even though I was only at one seventy three yeah, I'd get down to 165, 64, 63. That was cool. It got a little tough getting from like 60 last five pounds, but the last two to three was the, the hard part. Yeah. And, you know, to this day, I think about with the Martinez fight, I knew that was going into that fight. I knew that was my last fight at middleweight. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Um, so I, I do, that's the one thing in my career where I go, if I would have came in at a pound over or two pounds and said, you know what, screw it, I'm just coming in a pound or too heavy what the difference would have been. But I think that that when a W in a situation like that um, hurt me more than, than a loss, you know, yeah. that all oh, while well, he came in two pounds, heavy, this, that, because for me, what, what would I have cared if they stripped me? It was my last fight at middleweight. You know, yeah. What's um, what's always, uh, you know, really funny is, as you know, people who have never had to cut weight, Kelly, you know, as I, you know, I box an amateur, we both, uh, you know, do jiu-jitsu now, so I've done some jiu-jitsu competitions. People don't understand how hard, you know, when you're saying a pound or two, people always go, well, why? It's, it's hilarious when people say, ah, 
how do you miss weight by uh, no, how would you miss weight by a pound? Yeah, uh, you don't you don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you right here. <laughs> I, I I can easily explain that to that that person that that never did. Um, the pound pound and a half is a difference of being dried out for two days and five more hours on a stationary bike or or a treadmill. Mm-hmm. Cut out the sauna. Saunas don't work at that point. Um, I was going into the sauna trying. I had nothing to sweat. I was in the sauna for 25 minutes, and I and we stopped because I, I, I could have gotten real sick. Um, yeah. You come to a point where you're so depleted, you're not getting no sweat out of somebody. So you got to keep trying to burn calories and calories. Uh, yeah, one pound to a pound and a half at a point of dehydration and being dried out for that many days. Um, that's the matter. That's probably four or five hours of more work when your body is absolutely firing yeah. off of nothing, you know. Yeah. There you go. You you're, beyond, you're, you're beyond catabolic state. You know what I mean? You, you really are. So, so any, if anybody wants to moan about a pound in weight, you've just heard it from the world champion. So shut the fuck <laughs> up. How do you miss it by a pound? Go spit yeah. in a cup. Listen, it's not, it's not like that. I have yeah. seen, um, you know, you know, a few, a few instances. Um, the you know, one that comes to mind was um, Paul Smith for Andre Ward, and I think he missed by like seven pounds. And you go, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's that's, that's yeah. unprofessional. That's unprofessional. But um, you know, you know, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a different thing. But um, yeah, so you know, we haven't talked about that much today, yet. Um, Kelly, but you did you fight Jermaine? In the amateurs, is that correct? I fought him. Um, I was 17. I fought him in Olympic trials. Uh, you know, I, I was just getting settled into the open division, and it was a good fight. Uh, he definitely won. He beat me. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a good fight, and it was a learning experience for me. Um, you know, again, I was just a, a baby going into that. And that's what we said in, in the uh, countdown to the title, during the title fight, because I think him and Emmanuel were going off the fact they beat me in the amateurs. But yeah. you're talking 25 years old and 17 years old. That's a world of difference, you know. Mm. So, and we, we explained that to them in that countdown, but we showed them on fight night. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you, uh, you know, how, how were the, uh, you know, the, the, the judging decisions in America in the amateur game? Because I've experienced it in, in Scotland over here, the amateur, you know, refereeing decisions and judging decisions. So did you have uh, the, the same kind of, Absolute nonsense, um, judges over over there. No, that you're sore about it, Chris. Stelly. No, I'm sore about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, not, not not often. I mean, I had some where I thought there were some fights where I definitely thought I won in the amateurs, but it, it, I wouldn't say it was that bad or off to call it a robbery. Um, you know, there was one in the Olympic trials. So in Olympic trials, you have a double elimination. Um, mm-hmm. that's but at least when I was in the 2000. Um, so I lost to Taylor, I came back and won the next night, and then I I fought a, a kid by the name of Anthony Hanshaw, who was one of the top rated amateurs for years in, in the USA boxing. And another mm-hmm. older, you know, he was five years old, four or five years older than me. And um, we went into that fight, and I was up 10 7 going into the last round. Now, this is computer points, you know, they go on a point system. And uh, the last round, we went to war. I think I actually buckled him. He didn't get a stand and eight count. And to be said, the final score was 13-7. 
So they didn't give me, they didn't give me one point. point. That one point, um, and that goes to show. Now, Hanshaw was a guy who I think they were trying because Hanshaw went back to fight Jermaine Taylor again in the box off, and um, I think that was because it was sonority. So what they do, what they say in boxing, I do the quotation, is when you're young like my age, 17 years old, at that time they expected me to be around another four years. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, especially because I, I wasn't even in the open division a year. And I made that much noise. Um, so they usually, sonority, I went to the, usually the older guys, um, they, they would get the decisions. And, uh, you know, Jermaine Taylor was obviously one of the top. And I believe that they knew he was going because he beat Hanshaw 22-0. Uh, the fight before I fought, yeah, the fight before I fought Hanshaw. And, uh, but, you know, if it wasn't him, if there should have been some type of upset. They would have wanted Hanshaw to go represent. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that because, you know, there's no way that you don't give me one point in the last round. Yeah. So just looking at you for the next Olympic cycle at that point, thinking you're coming back as a 21-year-old and then you'll get the jump yeah. at that point. Yeah, and, you know, that that's what they were thinking. But we we didn't take that route. So we uh Time pro. Too, Time too many pro. things, uh, you know, with that – What's to say with the politics? Um, yeah, I stick around another four years for the same thing to happen. You know what I mean? Or yeah. get hurt? Or so I mean, I, I was I was a young kid. I I do think about it. I know for I, I can guarantee that I would have made the Olympic team. You know, four years later. But uh, what's to say that something would have happened? So I took the chance. I I left when it was right. Plus, I wasn't a big fan of being around in the amateur game too long. Uh, you build. I, I believe, in my opinion, that it could hurt you the longer you're in the amateurs. Yeah. That's my opinion. Um, I don't know the facts on it. But. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think. You know, I think seen, we've seen uh, more uh, good amateurs not pan out in the pros than we've seen. Yeah, good yeah. Pan out in the pros. I mean, I know. You know, I've got friends who were you know, maybe not world class amateurs, but very good amateurs. Uh, you know, and they stay around for too long, and then they turn professional, and, and they yeah. do nothing, and it's you know they've, they've took all the, the good work out of themselves, yeah. and now it's your game. And I want to tell you this, and a lot of people, especially people who had a very great amateur career, they don't like hearing this, but it is night and day, amateur and pros. It's, yeah. The whole the whole thing is different. Um, the whole feel of the fight, the whole breakdown of a fight, getting punched, hitting somebody, you know, without a headgear. It's a totally different ball game. Even in four three minute rounds is a lot different than amateur four two minute or four three minute. It's um, yeah. it's a totally different ball game. Uh, yeah. Do the amateurs? Do I think inter- seeing some international competition and stuff like that? The amateurs help a little bit for the pros. It might on getting a look at the style, but again, once the bell rings, it's a totally different ball game. Well, I, I I remember distinctly telling people, uh, Kelly, when um, when uh, Lomachenko, uh, you know, in his second fight, he was fighting Orlando Salido, and uh, you know yeah. everybody was high on uh, everybody was high on um, Lomachenko, uh, and everybody's saying this guy's amazing, and I said, I I think at this minute, I think um, Orlando Salido will beat him. He's just a, a crafty old Mexican. And he'll uh, stand on his toes, and he'll he'll hit him with elbows, and and uh, sure enough, he uh, he he got he got a win against him. Just knowing, but, not knowing, you know, all the tricks. 
but let's not discredit. Now, this is where a lot of people, and I heard somebody say, anybody can do what uh, Lomachenko did. And I go, well, how come not many has done what Lomachenko has done? I mean, there's a guy right there where people won't give him credit. They won't give him credit for anything. Um, his second pro fight. Now, for years, even Mayweather and Sugar Ray Leonard, they're all-time greats. I mean, they came up, I think it was 19, 20 fights into their career before they, yeah. they had a title. Yeah. And they came up six, eight, four, six, eight, ten. This kid came in, a second pro fight, yeah. and went to 12 rounds. And you hear the, well, he had 400 amateur fights. He's pretty much a pro. Bullshit. Totally different. Don't even go on that. That's somebody who, who never fought pro who would say something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and to be able to go in there against a former world champion and a yeah. rugged fighter like Salido and to go yeah. 12 rounds, you know, yeah. I mean, it's hard going from six rounds to eight rounds. It makes a big difference, let alone yeah. coming in your second pro fight and fighting for oh, six minutes. Uh, you know, know. Yeah. an incredible fighter. Um, uh, did you, I don't know if you guys ever really watched it in America. Did you ever watch the, the World Series of Boxing? You know, the, like the semi-professional thing that the the guys went into the Iaba back yeah. thing, but it was, you know, I, th- I think it was six rounds, six three-minute rounds. Um, so you know, Lomachenko and and Usyk and all these guys did that, um, which is you know not quite, yeah, it's, it's not professional, but it's yeah. a little bit more than than amateur. But um, yeah. but they did do that. But um, you know, it's, it's incredible. And we, you know, he beat um, he beat uh, you know, Josh Taylor. Um, handily a couple of times, you know our guy. Um, he's actually quite local to us, and you know Josh is an incredible fighter. And um, Josh beat him handily. You know he beat him handily as an amateur, but you yeah, know Josh has came on. Amateur. So with a guy like Taylor, you know he can fight. You know he's athletically gifted because of his amateur background. Mm. So that comes into play in the pros as far as hand speed stuff like that. So, you know, when I, when I, it's hard for me to explain it coming from, you know, a pretty high level in the amateurs to um, a highest level in, in pros. Some things, yeah, you can judge the, the fighter a little bit off his amateur background and, and his speed. Um, if you win a gold medal in, in the amateur Olympics, you can fucking fight. You know what I mean? You can fight. But when you, when you put that over into a professional game plan, and over 10, 12 rounds, and over without headgear, the way a fight goes and the way the pace of a fight goes, the biggest thing, momentum in a fight, because you can see guys winning four rounds of a fight, and then all of a sudden, this guy just turns it around, and he's mm. winning, and you're over there going, man, I had all this moment, everything was working, what was working is not working. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of time for shit to happen in a pro fight, and that's, that's yeah. what makes it. And, and there's a I mean, lot of once you get hit by some of these guys, there's a big difference. I know, um, I know, um, I know from 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 experience. So, like, uh, you know, I I had been in um, in you know national training camps when Josh was there. So, and you know, in the national setup, there's you know there's levels there. So I was bottom level. You know, I was okay. You know, I boxed at, um, at 91 kilos or heavyweight, 200 pounds, whatever you guys call it. And there's very little competition. So I, I was in the bottom level. Yeah. And there was some good guys. And then there was some really good guys. But then there was Josh Taylor was above it. You know, and even I would watch Josh Taylor and just go, I, I, I can't do that. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then and you, know, you see the difference between him and Lomachenko, and you see the differences. It's incredible. But that's um, what I'm saying. Josh Taylor can fight. I mean, yeah. they kick a fight, and really Lomachenko can beat him. But you see that Lomachenko still don't get the credit for that. And it's just one of the things, you know, is uh, there's a lot of guys. Canelo. Canelo don't get the credit for everything he's accomplished. Um, yeah. You know, Mayweather, to this day, Mayweather don't get probably the greatest fighter of all time and and still to this day don't get the credit that he deserves um you know it's always he wouldn't have beat this guy from 1942 and he wouldn't yeah. you know he wouldn't have beat joshua crab uh shooter sean you know they, they those are the weird names they had yeah. you know so you always hear that and, and yeah. that's ass nine as far as we know sports science and the evolving athletes, how much better they are today, and people can't people can't yeah. grasp that they're stuck yeah. in their era. Their time. It's, um, it's it's very difficult. So you go back to sort of near the beginning, Kelly. When you know when people you know everybody wants to have these conversations about you know who was the greatest of all time and Sugar Ray Robinson and blah, blah. you know some people talk about you know your division. It's very yeah. difficult for me to imagine Harry Greb fighting you know 160 pound Roy Jones. How do you, you you can't make that come? It's crazy. It's impossible. So I stumped somebody on my site and I I broke down the records because they were sort of getting into like who fought who. And I said, first of all, I go, did you see Harry Greb fight live? And did you watch all the competition at in in the nineteen? Nobody's alive. That was if somebody was alive to see Harry Greb fight, they would be one hundred and twenty years old. Okay, (laughs) if they were old enough to see and realize what was going on. Yeah, yeah. the twenties. It's it's 2020. That's a hundred years. So, and let's say that at age 15, you could really start noticing what you're watching in a fight. So, 115 years old, you would have to. Yeah. Be. So, cut the shit. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you weren't there. You you didn't see the fight. You don't know. You go off what you read. If social media was around in the 1920s, look, I'm gonna go actually piss people off. If social media was around in the late 70s, early 80s, when your Fab Four, yeah. after winning the world title, was fighting guys 0-1, and one, which they did, 2-3, and three, these guys, Canelo gets, gets torn apart on social media and in the media for jumping up and fighting, jumping up two weight classes to beat a guy like Kovalev, and not only beat Kovalev, but knock him out, right? Mm. And, oh, Kovalev's shot, he's done. But yet, Roberto Duran can go fight a guy. Roberto Duran's a legend. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But after winning the world title, he could go fight a guy zero and one. He could fight yeah. a guy twenty five and twenty three. And when you stumped him on that, then it turns into oh, oh well, the them, them twenty five and twenty three guys weren't your average twenty five and twenty three. That zero and one guy wasn't your average zero and one guy. And then you stump him on that, Nate. And then the next one they go to well, well they fought. They fought. 12 times a year. Eric Grubb and Sugar, Sugar Ray Robinson, these guys fought 20 times a year. Okay, well, does that justify fighting guys one to four? Because if these guys, first of all, they wouldn't even pass the fights. Not one commission would pass the fight today. Yeah. These guys get knocked. Can you imagine if, if um, Terrence Crawford in his next fight was fighting a guy two and three? Yeah. What would yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 25 and 23. The... What would happen? The, the the you know one of the best you know, um, examples of that Kelly is you know people uh, people like to shit on them you know because Floyd Mayweather you know fifty and oh and people would say yeah but 
yeah, Julio says a Chavez went, I think you know, it was like 105 and, and oh, and without getting beat. You go, yeah, but you look at his record and you go, yeah, there's a lot of guys in there, like you're saying, that were making their debut. And you go, well, you know, one of the greats, one of the, you know, the best Mexican of all time, but he fought some guys in there that he shouldn't have been fighting. Well, Chavez is an all-time great, especially in his era. Yeah. But to still knock the newer guys, I'm not going to let anybody knock. I, I'm yeah. going to put a fight up. I'm a fan of the sport of all, and I say for their era, because yes, you, but we know in sports, the okay, sports science, and this is a fact. Yeah. Everything in time has gotten better. Your telephones in the 1930s are not like what we got today. Your televisions in the 1950s are not like we got today. And the same thing has happened in sports science and training. And then not only that, how the athletes have evolved. You know, I had this one, and I'm probably going to take shit for it. Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Okay? And you're talking 25 years later. LeBron James is three inches taller, 45 to 50 pounds heavier, and is better athletically, more athletically skilled. These guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger, and Mm. it is true. And, oh, and the one guy told me about the, the difference between the 20s, 30s, and 40s fighters after I stumped them. The only other thing he could resort to was, well, they were more technical. First of all, the guys fought like the Notre Dame Irish mascot. Okay, yeah. like a little left front. They, they, got punch, they got punched in the face for a living. How were they more technical? Yeah. You're, you're telling me over 60, 70 years Every day of this sport that is evolving, 60, 70 years of studying and breaking down film and everything else, that fighters were more technical back then. Yeah. Cut the shit. You know what I mean? Um, that's like saying, can that uh, Jim Brown would be a great running back today? I love Jim Brown. He was the Cleveland Brown, my favorite team. Jim, Jim Brown, uh, being realistic, wouldn't be a third down back today. You know, it's, um, and the time's changing. You have, people have to understand that. Even me. You don't think that for my ego and everything else that I want to be able 30 years from now to say that guy would, wouldn't even come close to beating me. But in all reality, I know that 30 years from now, these guys are going to be so much more advanced and I'll yeah. be straightforward and I'll say I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even win around. You know what I mean? You, you just see it. These guys are fast. Look at these young guys. Look at, look how fast they don't get hit. They hit. You know, it, it's amazing. And I think also you can see, and it's nothing to, I hate to compare it, but just look at the deaths that you had last year in the sport. It's mm. a serious problem because they're getting stronger. Body, yeah. muscle get stronger. Your, your brain, your, your skull, that don't get stronger. And you're getting these guys that are just hitting each other at full force. And you're starting to see where it's going. You know what I mean? And, and it's scary. So look at yeah. the old the only bit I can't agree with you, Kelly, because I'm a sports science graduate. That's my world. I did sports and sciences at uni. Walter Payton is still the greatest NFL player of all time, and I will fight you to prove that point. <laughs> What's that? Walter Payton. Walter Payton, greatest NFL player of all time. And I will fight you over that. I don't care if you were the lineal champ. I'll fight you over Walter Payton. <laughs> what What's the accent? You said Walter Payton? Yeah, Chicago Bears. Yeah, number yeah. thirty-four. What? How? No, I I got a serious question. How did he die? 
uh, one version of either pancreatic cancer or sclerorizing something. He died of liver cancer. What were they, and what were they saying was one of the big reasons for that? Potentially steroids. But <laughs> it wasn't steroids. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm just, <laughs> just. But uh, I'm not. Hey, people think I'm knocking Walter. No, he was great. And, no, no. And, and okay, so and that's a good point that you brought up. There's another one. Okay, could Walter Payton compete today? Yes. yes. Would he have had the numbers that he had? No. Probably, probably not. And again, you're now out of all that we're talking from just to take 30 years and, and back. How many athletes can you really say too? So you're you're finding those like rare rare, rare uh, athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you I don't mean, want to haystack. We're that talking you're, about elites. It's like it's like you know. I still think even with everything, you know, Calvin Johnson at Detroit versus Jerry Rice. You know, you still look at Jerry Rice yeah. as the greatest. You guys follow. You oh, sorry to interrupt. Um, you guys no, follow no. NBA. I follow NBA and NFL. Chris Bessel. No. Before no. the, the shutdown this year, the slam dunk contest. Yeah. Unfortunately, I hate to say it because I'm a I grew up on Michael Jordan. That's that I, I my favorite basketball player of all time. Um, I don't think him and Dominic Wilkins slam dunks would have made it past the first round. I mean, these guys are jumping over seven foot tall guys, bouncing a ball off the backboard, then slam dunking it. it it's just so. I don't want to harp on it, but it is true. I mean, it's just. Your, your, these athletes have evolved, man. It's, it's athletes going to get better. better and better yeah, and better. Do, and better. Yeah. Fair training, better nutrition. But just to prove my point, how much I love Walter Payton, this sets the same value. Ah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and, I gave, and I gave you credit, man. I, I, said, I said that he could probably still compete today. Oh, and to be honest, the only reason I said I would fight you for it is because I'm on the other and side he, of the Atlantic. And unfortunately <laughs> for him, his, his Russian vitamins ain't like today's Russian vitamins. So no. <laughs> <laughs> the same yeah. ones. I think it's one of the same ones that uh, Lilo Zado was on. Yeah, right? Like, uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't uh, understand American football in the slightest, Kelly. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. I like, I like, uh, I like fighting. <laughs> oh, so okay. Now you don't you don't know, uh, Mary. I'll tell you another one, a rare one that I think that could that could play today, um, just because of his style. It was Barry Sanders. I, I think Barry Sanders would be a factor, but he, and he really wasn't that long ago. So I, I'm actually going back before Barry Sanders and Emma Smith. I mean, them guys were in the '90s, um, almost 2000, close to 2000. So. Yeah. You know, they're not that old, but I'm going back farther than that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, Sanders, Sanders retired, what, 98, I think? Um, mm-hmm. And he was obviously an absolute stud, you know, at NCAA level, an absolute stud. But it's like you say, you know, you go back to, like, you, you mentioned Notre Dame in the fighting leprechaun, but you think about, like, the Four Horsemen, or you talk about Bronco Nagurski or Red Grange, you know, the footballers from the 30s and 40s, you know, yeah. guys that were playing on the line weighing, like, you know, 205 pounds and it was a tackle. You know, a tackle nowadays at 205 pounds, you're probably not seeing that at a high school level. No, you're not. Look, you got linebackers that are 6'6, 245 that are running 4440s, legit 4440s. Yeah. Um, you know, it's even funnier going back on that when you really stump people on that because we had it on my boxing site. Then it goes to, well, they didn't have the balls and heart that the guys back then had. And then I got to go, 
Okay, well, let's hold the phone. Go back, look at a picture of a guy, a 1980s linebacker or running back, and look at today's guys. They have the 1980s, they got collar pads, they got the neck rolls, they got um, side protectors, they got two pads in their thighs, and guys today are taking pads off. They're all, no linebackers wear a kicker's shoulder pad um, just so they could be. That much lighter, and they take the pads out of their pants so they can be have that much more uh, flexibility to be able to run and be a step faster in order to compete today. These guys are pretty much out there with nothing on their bodies at the size of that they are, and they're smashing each other. Um, that's pretty ballsy to me, too. So, you know, mm. it, there's a lot of things there that's – and if nobody believes me on that, just out of – for shits and giggles, put a picture of a 1980s middle linebacker and look, look at them and put today's guys. Yeah. You know? As you say, with the big, the big cowboy callers. I yeah. mean, uh, if, uh, you know, you know going, off, going off topic from you guys, but, you know, if you go back and look at um, uh, John L. Sullivan, John L. Sullivan was like five foot eight and 185 pounds. You know, yeah. he would, you know, he'd be a light heavyweight in today's, in today's uh, boxing. Um, Ro- Rocky, man. Marci- Rocky Marciano. Let's, here's mm-hmm. one that, that I may get really beat up for let's go rocky marciano rocky marciano might be the third ranked late heavyweight today yeah you know here was a guy five foot nine Mm. okay uh 190 um is he in most your heavyweights today six 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 seven six seven six nine um and, and they're not sloppy you know uh anthony joshua is built like a freaking bodybuilder and he can fight and he's fast Deontay mm. Wilder, unorthodox as all hell, but probably one of the hardest punchers, and he's actually athletic for a six foot seven. Tyson Fury looks sloppy, but six nine um, can box the way he does. I mean, these guys are that size. I mean, go back to Muhammad Ali. I'll take shit for this. Ali was six three. The tallest guy I think he fought was maybe Foreman, um, but some of the top dangerous guys were six one. And and uh, Joe Frazier was five ten on paper. Yeah. I mentioned mm. Jeff Frazier, even Tyson's era. I, so don't get me wrong; them guys were badass. Tyson's era. Do I think they could beat um, some of these guys today? I think guys like Reddick Bow, Lennox Lewis, absolutely. But it'd be, be a lot tougher than what people think. Nobody wants to give credit to that. And now mm. here's the difference: they're even talking like, should they start making another weight class for super heavyweights? But why yeah. these guys? They're they're still not. They're not that different in weight. You know, and, Joshua's two forty five, you know, six six and a half. Yeah. Um, the only one Tyson Fury, he's two seventy something, but you know, so again, if, if people can't see it just by looking at, at that from that point, then I, I don't know how else to explain to them. I know um I have a, one of one of my friends um, in Scotland, Kelly, um, a guy called Ross uh, Ross Henderson. He boxed. He was a Scotland guy at uh, super heavyweight. He went to two Commonwealth Games. He, he was a good guy, limited by poor opposition in Scotland. But uh, you know, I, I was speaking to his coach, a guy called a re- an old guy, really nice guy called Frank Delaney. And you know, I was saying, you know, how was Ross getting on? He had went to Russia for a camp to train, and uh, he says, yeah, he's he's getting better now. Ross Henderson is, you know, you know, he was uh, two forty five, six six and a half, and quite athletic. And, um, you know, his coach said, you know, his problem is he goes to these Eastern European guys, he's not big enough. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> what the fuck? 
This guy, these guys are, you know, six, six, nine, and 160 oh. kilos. You're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, just enormous human beings. But um, one thing, uh, when you bring you back there now, this is always a, the, the most fun conversation. So I have an idea of who I think would be the best heavyweight of all time. Oh, sorry, who beats everybody. The heavy, not, the, not the guy who's the best record. The guy who I think would beat every heavyweight in history. Uh, and and the one that I always say is, is uh, Lennox Lewis because I think he has the size and the speed, um, you know, the IQ. I think he's the one who you'd say he could beat everybody. He could still beat the guys today, I believe, and he was good enough to beat, you know, Dali, Foreman, either guys as well. That's I, have, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you on that. And again, though, Lennox Lewis is not that far removed from where we're talking about eras. Um, he's really mm-hmm. not, but, um, oh, I forgot about the Klitschko's. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think it would be tougher. I, and I'm, and I'm gonna, again, I'm going to go back to that. Um, Evander Holyfield, 6'2", great heavyweight, another one that you could actually toss I, up. I, 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 think the under, I think Holyfield is the most underrated heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, I, I don't have him underrated, but I, I get what you're saying as far as yeah. the perception of, of people yeah. in boxing. Great fight, um, great fire. But you, if you, and I know Lennox Lewis was past his prime, but you know, if you look at when he fought Vitaly Klitschko, who mm-hmm. was older himself too, though at that time, um, he struggled. And thank God for the cut because we don't know yeah. which route that fight would have went. Yeah. Um, but that's just saying you're getting now you're tapping into so. Lennox Lewis had guys, you know, I think Reddick Bow was 6'4", um, but Lennox Lewis was kind of like the tallest of his guys. I think Lennox Lewis is 6'5", they may say 6'6", yeah. but he, i seen him stand yeah. next to, you know, some of them guys, and I say 6'5", but now when you're fighting, and here's the difference, so you're fighting um, the champion Joshua, 6'6", six, six and, mm. and then you go from Joshua and you go fight Deontay Wilder, 6'7", and yeah. then you got Tyson Fury, 6'9", and you just keep going that route. And, or, and then you're, they're one of the guys on their way up right now, Eastern European and, and Usyk. He, mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of like your Chris Bird, 6'2", yeah. boxer, but unfortunately Usyk is 6'4", 220, you know, yeah. and, and can fight. So, you know, that's, that's again, with that air, that time there with Lennox Lewis, absolutely he can still compete. And, and for overall, what they were to do in their era, you could definitely put Lennox Lewis up there in the top top three. Um, I, I have no argument with that. But again, you know, I'm just going off. I know it's past prime Lewis, but clutch goes. That just goes to show you, though, what that would have been like. I mean, th- those would be the guys on a regular basis that he would be fighting. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one of, one of the you know, as we opened with you, Kelly, just asking you how you got through round two. One of the things that I would have to ask Lennox Lewis was how 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 did he feel when he you know he caught Vitali with that uppercut in round six? It was an uppercut. Uh, I don't know if you remember it. It was an uppercut that oh, would have. Yeah. I mean, it would have knocked the house down, and Vitali took it. And it was one of those things you go, "What happens when you you know when you catch somebody with a punch like that and they don't go yeah. down?" You go, "Ah, fuck. and that has nothing to do with age either, because <laughs> in sports you you lose the first thing to go is your reaction reflexes and and speed and the last thing that's to go is your power and i, I think yeah, that's yeah. you know everybody knows that and for klitschko to be able to take that uppercut I, that's unbelievable 
I suppose one of the impressive things about yourself, Kelly, as well, talking about you know all your accomplishments that we've been talking about, and again, maybe it says about boxing in general, but the fact that you've retired and you've never came back. Oh. Oh, sorry, is that breaking up? We've cleared again. You okay? Yeah. You still hear us, Kelly? No, I don't think he hears. Oh, oh. No, it's like his sound's dropped out. Okay, there we go. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was just saying, Kelly. One of the most impressive things, even with all your, you know, your long list of accomplishments that we've been talking about and the great fighters that you've you've fought and and beaten, is the fact that when you retired, you kind of you've stayed retired. You've never been. Have you been tempted to come back? Because with boxing, there's always that. You know, you always see someone that you loved growing up, and they they fight on for two or three fights, or retire for a few years and then come back and it's it's just heartbreaking watching it but so far I mean you're what eight years retired now and not been tempted maybe or have you been tempted and just are you happy with where you left it oh absolutely you know um you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't if you retire too early you know it's a shame wasted career even though mine was 12 years and I hear it all the time I have 42 pro fights that's a lot um and if you stay around too long, you become punchy and, and they look down on you for that. And it's, um, yeah. it's sad uh, for me. People don't realize this. And I just recently started saying it because I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm retired for good. And I knew when I retired and I don't care. I, I like telling them how it is. And people may call me an asshole or say I'm full of shit. And I don't care. Um, it is what it is. But uh, when I won the world title, a lot of guys at that point, they'll be counting down the next big fight. But I always kind of wanted to get in and be financially supported and accomplish my goal, which was winning a world title. I was fortunate to win three. So in my trophy case, no matter who wants to ever argue, I got three world title belts and they kissed my ass. Um, <laughs> but, so, you know, That's another cool when I won the title, I started, I started counting down to retirement. And, yeah. um, when I, when I hung it up, the, the big issue, it wasn't because of um, all the other shit that people were speculating. The um, Andre Ward, I went out to uh, California to train with Garcia, which was great. It was an amazing time. I, I thought that, you know, when I had to go out there, I was kind of pissed. I'm like, I've been pro 12 years. I got three world title belts. I made money. Why, do, why the hell do I got to go out here now? Usually when you up and leave your home, you go at the beginning of your career when you're trying to, to make it. Um not at the end of your career when, when you're done. And, uh, but I went out there and I enjoyed it. It was a great time. I learned, but you know, we fought guys at the beginning, like, uh, Scott Sigmund and, uh, mm -hmm. Roll Rosinski's and, and guys like that. And it was just hard to keep getting up. And then the Andre Ward fight was being talked about. And I really got pumped for that one. Now I kind of was like resurrected. And unfortunately, that's when Andre Ward got hurt. He hurt his shoulder and he had to get the surgery yeah. and he was out. So at that point, the Super 6 was still going on. So before any other meaningful fight, it would probably been another year and a half. And at that point, I retired. Um, I was fortunate with like people like my dad and uh, the people real close to me that I had behind me to where I never had to throw a punch again. You know, um, So I retired. I took three years off. I screwed off. I had fun. I lived. I lived my life. Um, it is what it is. And then in 2016, I said, "You know what? 
it's time to quit playing around and, and get back and get serious. So with being fortunate, I was able to go out and do pretty much what I wanted to do. I went and bought me a, a gym. Um, I started a podcast. I, I did numerous other investments and it was fun. And I, I opened a power or a fitness gym. And now I'm in the process of opening another fitness gym and doing a boxing yeah. gym and many other things. So, yeah, I mean, uh, boxing was never, I toyed around with the idea on Joe Rogan and that, mm. that took off a lot farther than I expected it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, to say that I ever have the itch in, in these eight years, yeah. But, you know, that itch yeah. could have been just going to the gym and hitting the bag or the pads for two rounds. I mean, I did a powerlifting meet back in 2017 because that's what I kind of mm-hmm. fell into was powerlifting. I'm, I'm 255 now. I'm far from 160. And, uh, you know, and I had it, but at this time in 2017, I was at 232 and I had to get down to 220. And I told my coach, my powerlifting coach, I was like, screw you if you think I'm even losing 12 pounds. I go, I'm done with that. <laughs> and the only way you catch me running is if there's a fire or a dog behind me. And, um, <laughs> You know, but I, I got down to 220 because he said I couldn't do it, and I laughed. I, he said I couldn't do it in five days, and uh, that was that was cake. But um, you know, so I, I've been having fun. I mean, uh, yeah, I had the itch, but it's not to anything. I don't I don't want to. I, I like eating. I like I like eating what I want to eat. I like being able to go. You know, my gym. I go there. I, I'm involved with kids. I, I train a couple kids on boxing in the back room, even though it's not a boxing gym. But it's not a job, you know, so I, I go, I come and go as I want. Um, and that's where I'm at. I mean, I work my ass off to be able to do that. And uh, so one of the things, uh, one of the things that I always say to people is, um, you know, when you get guys like you, Kelly, who, who put the work in, who had damaged your career, put your ass off, made that way, starved yourself. Um, you know, when you get to the, this stage in your career, you can, for me, you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You can do what you want at this stage. Yeah, like, I, you've, I, you've done the work. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't fortunate to hit the lottery and, and make the money that I did. I mean, you want to talk about blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, that, that was it. So to me, I, I appreciate, you know who said it um, very well, and actually I, I had the honor of going to the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. And I'm going to tell you a guy who I fought, who's just uh, sometimes when he says shit, you got to take it in. And that's, that is Bernard Hopkins. Mm. And uh, like he said, he goes, you know, you, no matter what people may think of you or say about you, he goes, but what you did and what you, he didn't say to me personally, but what you accomplished, they can't take that away. And that's what it is. And what yeah. you did to have to go through it and get that, he goes, know your worth, you know, know, know what you're worth. And that's not just material like money. But that's also like your accomplishments, what you, you, what you did. And that's what he's saying. So, and that's kind of how I am. I mean, I, I'm not cocky. I would not, I'm not arrogant. I'm, I'm, I've always been humble and I like being humble, but I, I also know, know my worth and, and um, I could do anything I want to do pretty much right now within reason. And I'm, that's where I'm enjoying it. And that's where like my hard work paid off. And yeah. I'm glad to get out of the sport when I did because, for as of right now, I feel like I got my my wits and everything's there, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know I'm I'm able to spend time with my kids and and things like that, and you know I've been happy. It's uh, you know people will say shit, they'll they'll 
accusations, this, that. I mean, I for Youngstown, I'm like the world's most interesting man. I've done everything, right? Yeah, and I'm like the biggest <laughs> drunk and, and uh, everything else. I'd be cool over in your guys' home country, but not here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, did I like to have fun? Fuck yeah, I did. I, and that's how I am. But, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that I'm all these things and yet I'm still able to never have to go throw another punch again in my life. And, and I could go into my own gym, my own business. And uh, when I want to, and just be able to enjoy everything that I want to and have a podcast where I'm able to go to these big fights and pay for the equipment, the studio time, uh, PR woman, producer, and just, and, and everything else. And, and think about opening another gym. You don't do that when you're a drunk addict. Yeah. Derelict. You, you can't do those things. You know what I mean? You, you, you can't. So yeah. it just goes to show how, how that works. And that's my little vent on that part of it. But that all, that all um, came cool. with the, retirement thing like when you ask about getting the itch and and why i died because most of the time the familiar question along you retire too early this that blah 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 i usually get hit with those you know and um so i just kind of made i don't think you guys would have done it it's been a great interview but kind of beat everybody to the punch on that now when i get I'll also say, Kelly, if you ever want to come to Scotland for a drink, you're welcome. I've got a spare room. You can stay with me and we'll have a few Fuck pints. yeah. <laughs> I bet you I'd be a too. Yeah. I think I have a lot of fans. I, I guess still to this day, you guys would be surprised how many from the UK, how many uh, autographs and, and things like that. I think it's awesome. I I enjoy that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's pretty yeah. cool. So. We, we have to tell you, Kelly, when me and Chris – put this podcast when we started doing the podcast way back like we've only been doing this for like three and a half four months now we kind of started it during lockdown because we were bored and we spoke to some really interesting people some cool people and chris said do you think we could get kelly pavlik and we were i was like well what's the worst that happens he says no or he ignores the message or doesn't see the message it's no skin the other option is we get to talk to Kelly fucking Pavlik. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the whole way through when we've been messaging you, or when I've been messaging you this week to set it up, there was this little part of my brain going, are we about to be catfished? That when we add you in on Skype, it's going to be some fat old white guy just jerking off. There was <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They were like, surely it can't be Kelly Pavlik talking to two idiots from Scotland. Yeah. It must be. Yeah. It has to be something wrong. So... It's been no, that's cool, man. I've been having a blast. That's funny you say that about getting catfish. You know, um, I caught the message on Instagram kind of by accident because I'm going to explain to you. I got some fucked up friends on Facebook and, and Instagram, and I'm afraid to open my inboxes and shit like that because God only knows what I'm going to get in one of those. So, I, I mean, sometimes I kind of like, and I, I got a fucked up sense of humor. And, um, but yeah, I get some crazy stuff. I can imagine. We could, uh, we could uh, yeah, we could, we could, uh, we could get into the fucked up sense of humor if we, if we speak to you again at some point, Kelly. Um, I'll say we're we're talking yeah. on with time. So one thing, one thing that I want to finish on, I think, is a cool place to finish. So when you when you go to fight um, the rematch with Jermaine Taylor, and you've got you know the 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 world famous, the most famous uh, MC in the entire world. Introducing you as, uh, you know, Youngstown's own, you know, 
you know, WCWO Ring Magazine, lineal champion of the world. You know, and then he comes out, you know, Kelly the Ghosts, Pavlik. What? How does that feel? I wish I could sit there and say that I was able to have like an outer body experience and and watch it. You know what I mean? Um, because at that point, man, you know, and that's a good question. You know that, you know who it is. You know the magnitude of the fight. You know the electricity in the air. Uh, but you're also nervous and kind of like on the inside, shaking like a dog shitting razor blades. Um, <laughs> you're ner- you're nervous. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're, and so, like, you're paying attention to it, but you're not fully. It don't set in at that point in time. You're not like, holy crap, this is the guy. You know, building me up. And um, but it is cool. I mean, after the fight, when everything's calmed down and said and done, yeah, you realize it, and, and it's an honor. And I, I believe. A lot of these things from my career, I'm really starting to appreciate now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, the world title belts. I go and I walk past them, and it's kind of like, wow, you know, those those are mine. Mm-hmm. The first couple of years, you knew you were the champ, but you don't know you're the champ. And especially you're still fairly young. I mean, I'm still fairly young now, but at the time, you know, you're mid-20s. You're full of testosterone. You're full of cockiness and then especially being a champ that's kind of the worst thing at that age would be and um you know you don't let that stuff kind of settle in and until like you get a little older and, and everything slowed down and, and all this crazy is done then you start realizing what you have done uh, mm-hmm. yeah so. that's that's cool right. well so, um we won't, just uh, as we, we won't keep you too much i think that's no. uh, sorry is that but that's about an hour and 20 minutes so, Sorry. Just before we drop out, Kelly, if people are looking to find out a bit more about you, find you on social media, where can they find you? And we'll add this into the notes in the podcast. Yeah, I'm uh, Kelly Pavlik on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram is pavlik.kelly. Um, what else? Uh, they can catch my podcast, The Punchline, with Kelly Pavlik and James yeah. Dominguez on Facebook Live and YouTube. Um, or you can go to punchline.live and pick up all of our old shows. We have not done any. We'll probably be starting up in about two weeks. Um, yeah. This quarantine, I, I take it kind of serious. And, um, you know, but there's a lot of things going on. So that, that's pretty much how to get a hold of me. Awesome. Awesome. We'll find out what's going on. Well, well um, thank you again Thanks. so much for your time, Kelly. It was a pleasure. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe if we're still doing this for six months or a year down the line, we'll, we'll reach out and we'll speak oh, to you I again. I hope so, man. I, I had a blast. I thought this was pretty damn cool, man. I appreciate it. So, uh, so, that means 20, a lot. 2020's yeah. broken when Kelly Pavlik's saying stuff like that to us. We've clearly broken <laughs> hey, 20. Yeah, right. So, something got to be fucking go decent in 2020, though, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, well. Yeah, that's been awesome, man. I'm uh, really happy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, have a good cool one, man. You too. Episode 28 in the can. Kelly Pavlik. Thank you very much. Uh, no problem, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Later. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast.